Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here, here today. I'd like to welcome all those in our South Campus. I'd like to welcome all those in our Grovetown Campus, all those watching online and on demand. It's a great day to be in church. You know, I like to start with something funny. I heard about these three pastors that uh, went on the, out on the lake fishing. And as they're out on the lake fishing, one of them said, you know, we never let, to get, uh, let our hair down, so let's just do that here. And so uh, just let each one of us say one thing that we struggle with the most. But the first guy said, well, you know what? Uh, I struggle with gambling. You know, sometimes at night I slip out and I just gamble the night away. The next guy spoke up and said, you know, sometimes I struggle with cheating. Uh, I don't want anybody to see my tax returns because I honestly cheat on my taxes. And they looked at the third guy and he didn't say anything. He just sat there quiet. He said, come on, we're not going to let you off this boat until you tell us what you struggle with the most. He said, well, honestly... I struggle with gossiping, and I can't wait to get off this boat. (laughs) Well, today we're continuing our 21 days of prayer, actually starting our second week. And last week, many of you filled out two prayer cards. One of the cards looked like this, and this was a card that you put names of people or situations you're going through on this card that you wanted other people to pray with you about. And so you dropped them on the stage here or at Grovetown or at South Campus. And this past week, we have been praying over these cards. We have joined with you in this. The second card you received looked like this. And this has a list of our seven targets. There's seven people we want to see God's blessing on. And so this is a card that we keep personally. We keep it maybe uh, on our dashboard, maybe by our dresser, just so that we can be reminded to pray for these people. Because honestly, we all have somebody that we'll hope and will change. Maybe that family member that's off course, maybe that child that's not making good decisions, or maybe that friend that is struggling with an addiction. And some of you have been praying and you have been believing but it does not seem to be working. And it's so easy to get frustrated during this season. And you feel like you're wasting your time. But let me be honest with you. You are not wasting your time. Your family needs your prayers. And they need you to keep praying, to keep encouraging, and to keep speaking faith into them. They need somebody who will stand in the gap Somebody that will believe for them when they don't have the energy or the faith to believe for themselves. They need somebody who will cover them with mercy. They will need somebody who's not going to judge them, not going to find fault with them, but somebody that's going to stand with them as they find wholeness. And so my goal today is to encourage you and encourage your faith. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
So over the next few minutes, I want to share several stories from the Bible. And you may see yourself in these stories, or you may see your friend or loved one in these stories. And I believe that God is going to use these stories to stir your faith. The first story um, focuses on a man who most people had already written off. They said, basically, stay away from this. He is no good. His name was Saul. He was an enemy of the church, and he hated believers. He hated people who followed Christ. In Acts chapter 8, we see this as his story unfolds. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, grabbing both men and women to throw them into prison. It was evident that this guy was against everything that most of us stand for. But something happened to him. While he was on the road to Damascus, Saul had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and it changed his life. Then God prompted a man named Ananias to go pray for Saul, and he told Ananias, because Saul is a chosen vessel to bear my name. So Ananias followed God's prompting. We turn over uh, one page from Acts chapter 8 to Acts chapter 9, verse 17. Then Ananias went into the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. And he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road when you were coming here, has sent me so that you can see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again, and he got up, and he was baptized. Saul's conversion uh, was so significant. His turnaround story was so significant that his very name, Saul, was changed. In fact, his name was changed from Saul to Paul, and we know him as the Apostle Paul, who wrote nearly half of the books in the New Testament. So Ananias was prompted to pray for Saul, and Saul's life was changed. Now, here's the point. Prayer is the most important gift that you can give any relationship. Prayer is the most important gift that you can give any relationship. This week, many of you are going to be prompted to pray for somebody. It may be a friend. It may be a coworker. It may be somebody that you used to know that lives in a distant city, and God's going to bring that person to your mind. And you're going to have this opportunity to, to pray for them. Two weeks ago, I was at a large church convention in San Antonio. There were thousands of people there. After one of the sessions, I was out in the lobby with hundreds of people, and I, I ran into this acquaintance of mine. And so as I was talking to him, this guy was really amped up, and he, he, had, he was angry about something that was going on. And it was like that I was the reason that caused his anger, and I, I, I wasn't. 
But I was the brunt of that. Some of you know how that feels, that you walk into a situation, you don't have anything to do with it, and all of a sudden you're catching all of the anger and all of the angst and the anxiety uh, from somebody else, and you're just kind of receiving that. Well, it stirred me, and, it, uh, and I just thought about that a lot. And, and as I was going to bed, I thought about that, and I, I woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I just started praying for this guy. I just started praying for him, and I drifted off to sleep, and at 6.30, I woke up um, because I've learned that, that Patty needs her coffee at 6.30 in the morning, or it's not going to be a good day. Some of you are struggling. You know, how do we have a marriage that lasts 40 years? Well, first thing, you make coffee in the morning. That's how it and she didn't want any of this hotel room coffee. She told me, that, nope, don't drink that hotel room coffee because I'd have to clean out the coffee pot two or three times um, before I would drink that. I said, give me the muddy water. I'll, I'll take it. But anyway, that's a sidetrack, and I'll do that occasionally. Um, but I got up 6.30. I went down to the coffee shop. There was nobody in the coffee shop except the workers. I'm the only person in there ordering the coffee. Then somebody walks in. I turn around to look, and it was the very guy that I had prayed for at 2 o'clock that morning. He was the only one um, in that coffee shop. I looked at that. This is a divine appointment. This was an opportunity to have that conversation to help him process what he was going through. And I was able to talk him through that. Some of you are going to have something similar happen to you this week because you're going to have this person that you're thinking about. You wake up and you're thinking about this person. Maybe you hadn't seen this person in weeks or months or, or, or a while. And then you're going to go to Publix and you're sitting there in the ice cream aisle trying to figure out why don't they have cookie quarry ice cream this week? And you're sitting there, and then here comes that very person that you've been thinking about. And you say, man, that's a strange coincidence. Yes, it is a coincidence, but could it be a divine appointment? Could it be one of those opportunities that you have to speak life, to speak faith, to speak encouragement into that person's life? And as you have that conversation, just conclude that conversation with the simple phrase was, hey, why don't you come to church with me Sunday? Just say that. Hey, why don't you come to church with me Sunday? Or maybe you say, hey, we've got a revival at the end of the month. Why don't you come sit with me one night? And just plant that seed because there's no doubt that God wants you to help that person. You have the ability to help someone else by praying for them. And maybe you are that one that God has. You are that one that God's going to move on their behalf because of your prayers, because of your kindness, because of your friendship. I said we're going to talk about several stories. The second story comes from Acts chapter 12. In Acts chapter 12, we see King Herod is trying to stop the advancement of the church. And to do that, he had Peter arrested and thrown into jail. In fact, it was a deep dungeon of a jail, the most secure place that he could find. And on the night before Peter went to trial, his friends at church started praying for him. We see this in verse 5, chapter 12. It said, so Peter was kept in prison 
but the church was earnestly praying for, to God for him. The church was earnestly praying to God for him. The believers had gathered in that house, in a house, and they spent the night asking God to help their friend. God, help our friend Peter to somehow make a way, somehow set him free. Just help our friend Peter. While they were praying, God sent an angel down to that prison. And that angel went into Peter's cell and woke him up. And when Peter stood up, it is like the chains that had him bound, they fell off. And Peter walked with that angel right past the guards. And they didn't do anything about it. They walked right past the guards. They got to the big gate out front. And the gate just opened up. Just opened up and Peter walked out free. Peter's life was spared. He was spared because a few friends were praying for him. The scripture calls this standing in the gap for someone. Standing in the gap for someone. Some people are too far off course to ever get back on their own. They're too discouraged. They're too depressed. Um, They're too dysfunctional. They have their own obstacles. And they need you and a group of your friends praying for them so that they can get through what they're going through. They need somebody that will stand in the gap. This concept comes from the Old Testament from Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30. It said, I look for someone among them who would build up the wall and who would stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land. Back in those days, cities had huge walls around them to protect them from the enemy. But at times, there would be something that created a gap in the wall. And when there was a gap in a wall, they would, they would then get a soldier there that would be heavily armed to go stand in that gap to protect the city from their enemies. And they would keep that powerful soldier there until that wall could be repaired. People all around you are broken. People this week that you're going to see, they're broken. They're struggling. They're in great pain. They have broken down walls. They've gotten off course. A relationship didn't work. Maybe they're fighting an illness. Maybe they're fighting depression. Maybe they're fighting some type of um, loneliness. There's a breach in their wall. And God is saying to you, and God is saying to me, and God is saying to you in Grove Town and in South Augusta, will you stand in the gap for them? Will you stand in the gap? Will you cover them when they are down? James 5 and 16 says, confess your sins to each other and notice, pray for each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I want you to look around at people in your life this week. 
This week, as we begin the second week of 21 Days of Prayer, look around at people in your life this week, people who need prayer. What about that neighbor? That neighbor that you used to see in the front yard or sitting on the porch and you don't see that person. What's happened to your neighbor? How about that coworker that is struggling? How about that person that you know that has cancer? Maybe God has brought them across your path so that you can lift them up, so that you can stand in the gap, so that you can pray for them, so that you can carry their burden. That's what Galatians 6 and verse 2 is talking about. He said, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. You're saying, look, Marty, I've got my own problems. I've got my own issues. I need somebody to pray for me. That's how we feel sometimes. We feel so defeated that, man, I'm supposed to be the one that has faith, and I have zero faith. Here's what I want you to think about. When you pray for others, and this is the point, when you pray for others, you are sowing a seed for God to help you. When you pray for others, you are sowing a seed for God to help you. This is what happened in Job's life. His story is told in the Old Testament. He was a man that loved God and served God. But on one day, on one day, Job lost everything that had meaning in his life. He lost his children, he lost his wealth, and he lost his health in the span of one day. And soon after Job had lost it all, he was laying on the ground in agony, grieving his losses and suffering physically from the illness. While he is laying on the ground suffering, three of his friends show up. Notice how this unfolds. Verse 13, chapter 2. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Now, here's the lesson that you need to hear. When your friends are in pain, just show up. When your friends are in pain, just show up. The deeper that the pain is, the fewer words you need to say. The deeper the pain is, the fewer words. It's called the ministry of presence. Just show up. For seven days, they sat with their friend and did not say a word. They just showed up. It was the ministry of presence. Because honestly, when you're in the, uh, somebody has deep pain like this, whatever you say, Honestly, it's not going to relieve them from their pain. But your presence will make all the difference. Job's world was turned upside down. And and I'm sure there's this tendency in his mind to say, okay, I'm the one uh, that needs help. But Job did something different here. Job started praying for his friends. Job turned his focus away from his own needs and started praying for others. And notice what happened to Job. Notice what happened. In uh, 
Chapter 42, verse 10 said, after Job had prayed for his friends, notice that, after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. Some of you are in pain. Some of you are suffering. Could it be that if you would take time to pray for somebody who is in need, that God would use this prayer not only to help your friend, but would release his favor and blessing on your life. And then what you're struggling with would actually turn around. Maybe you would have a job that turned around for you. Maybe you would have a relationship that turned around. Maybe your health would turn around. Your family would turn around. This leads us to our second point, our next point. It comes from Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything and tell God what you need. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Here's the point. The more specific you are in prayer, the more specific the answer will be. The more specific you are in prayer, the more specific the answer will be. Tell God what you need. You know, when you focus and pray nonspecific prayers, you're going to get nonspecific answers. But when you pray specifically, you know when your prayers are being answered. If you're always praying general prayers, God bless my family, God bless my church, God bless America. When it's so broad, I'm sure that there's a level of favor that when you pray those prayers, I believe in general prayers, and I pray those general prayers. But I'm telling you, when I really need God to move, I want to get specific. I want to be very clear. I just want to be specific. I want to tell God what I need. So here's an example of this. If you need a car, say, God, I need a reliable car. I need a car with a warranty. I need a car with less than 100,000 miles. Just tell him what you need. I need a car where I can put two car seats in the back seat. You tell him what you need. And then he says, you know, give him, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Then go to the next step. Say, okay, God, I, 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 want a, I want a Chevrolet or I want a Ford or I want a Dodge. Okay, that's getting more specific. Okay, I want a white car. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's not specific. Pray for a blue car. Everybody's got white cars. How many of you drive a white car right now? Let me see your hands. These are all the people that don't pray specific prayers. Yes, and I see it in Grovetown too. All these people. Patty and I don't pray for uh, specific. We, we drive two white cars. So if you really want to stretch your faith, pray for a blue car. And then when that blue car shows up, you know, you know, you know that nobody knew that except God. And that is funny in some ways, but it's true in so many ways. It's true that, that the more specific that we get, how it changes 
our lives. We see God answer the prayers. Let's move on. Next point. When you pray, use verses from the Bible to break spiritual strongholds. When you pray, use verses from the Bible to break spiritual strongholds. There's power in God's word. When Jesus was tempted by the devil after spending time in the wilderness, how did Jesus confront the temptation? He used the words from God. In fact, in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, it says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You speak God's word. You pray the verses from the Bible. And you just pray that. When you do that, you're getting in agreement with God's will. There's power in that. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says, For the word of God is active, it's alive, and it's active, and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is interesting that this verse refers to God's word as a weapon, sharper than any two-edged sword. There are times in my life, and probably yours too, that you feel like you're in a battle. You just feel like you're in a battle. And we are. We are in a spiritual battle. And prayer is often referred to as spiritual warfare. So we see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the, cur- uh, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. They have the divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And notice this, we take captive every thought to make our thoughts obedient to Christ. This is warfare language. He's talking about this battle going on in your mind. That's the biggest struggle. It's the thoughts you're, uh, you're wrestling with. It's that battle of the mind. It's that mental anguish. It's that stress. It's that anxiety. He says that God's word can demolish the strongholds. Well, what is a stronghold? A spiritual stronghold in my life is a lie that I believe. A spiritual stronghold in my life is a lie that I believe. And behind every sin is a lie that you are believing. Behind every sin, there's a lie that you're believing. Satan is a liar, and he is trying to enslave you in in your thoughts. And that stronghold needs to be destroyed. And we break the power of the enemy when we pray. When we speak and we pray the scriptures, we are coming in agreement with God and his power is released in our prayers. Next point. When you pray, powerful things are gonna happen. When you pray, powerful things happen. When we pray, God releases his Holy Spirit on us. But not only that, but your prayers cause the angels to go to work. 
We know that God um, sends angels to minister to us when we are in a crisis. This is the message of Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14. It said, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Notice that. Are not all angels, all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? There have been a number of times when we have felt, Patty and I have felt the presence of angels. We've just sensed, we just felt the, the presence of angels. When our oldest was learning how to drive, <laughs> you know where I'm going. We had this thought one day, why don't we go on a, a trip and let our oldest drive? So we had Patty's daddy in the car. We had my dad in the car. We had our youngest in the car, and I was in the car. We're going down I-20, and... Um, there was a blind spot, and our oldest pulled over into the blind spot. The car uh, that he pulled over on swerved. We slammed on brakes. That car swerved over in front of us and then swerved behind us, and I don't know how in the world that we didn't have a wreck. Don't know. It was like one of those things to the point where we had to pull off the road and just take a breath. How many of you have ever felt like an angel has kept you from a car wreck? Anybody felt like that? Yeah. You know how that feeling is. That's what angels do. Hear me. They are ministering spirits sent to serve. They are servants. Now, on a side note, your loved one that passed away is not an angel. I just want you to hear this. Angels are servants. Believers are sons and daughters. Believers are sons and daughters. Angels are servants. They are actually serving your loved ones in heaven. God sends angels to help. God didn't take your loved one because he needed another angel. And you hear that a lot, and that is a lie. You probably see it on cards. Well, God needed a another angel. God did not take your loved one because he needed another angel. Hear me on that. That's fallacy. That's crazy talk. That speaks from somebody that doesn't have a clue of the Bible. So just let me get that deep in you. Angels are ministering spirits sent to serve you. The minute your loved one transitioned from this life to the next, I'm telling you, angels were there to serve him and said, welcome into the joys of the Lord. Welcome home to heaven. But God also releases his angels when we pray to protect us, to help us. God sends angels to do that. In the book of Revelation, John describes what he saw in heaven. He saw these angels all around the throne. Angels all around the throne, and they were singing, and they were worshiping, and they were saying, holy, holy, holy. But in, in Revelation chapter 8, there was silence in heaven for 30 minutes. Now, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, and there was never silence. 
and, and, and how they describe that, it says, well, God has given the Presbyterians 30 minutes of silence. That's not necessarily true. What is up with this silence? There was silence in heaven for 30 minutes. During this time, an angel came to the altar with a jar of incense, and this incense represented the prayers coming up from the earth. Think about how powerful this is. In heaven, there's this concert going on. I mean, a concert of the ages. And then all of a sudden, this concert going on, all of a sudden, everything stopped. Everybody stopped singing. The heavenly hosts were silenced. What could be so important to stop a worship service here? Was something wrong? Was there an emergency? No, all of heaven stopped to hear the prayers that were coming up from God's people. Revelation 8, verse 3. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar, and he was given much incense to offer, notice these words, with the prayers of all of God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hands. Your prayers are like incense that's going up to heaven. And there are thoughts that you have in your mind and thoughts that the enemy puts in and said, oh, nobody's listening to your prayers. Oh, you're just wasting your time. God's not concerned about you. God's about, got bigger issues to deal with. Oh, you're just wasting your time. No, that's not true. When you pray, I want you just to imagine that the angels get quiet. I want you just to imagine that, um, that the musicians stop playing and Gabriel leans over to God and say, I've silenced everybody because I hear a prayer coming up from one of your children. Somebody believes that you can do the impossible. Somebody believes that you can change their life. Somebody's counting on you. I just know somebody believes uh, uh, that you can heal a friend from cancer, that you can restore a broken relationship, that you can turn a, a child around, that you can set somebody free from addiction. Because when you pray, something powerful happens. Powerful things happen. All of heaven stops. All of heaven comes to attention and supernatural things take place. When you pray, the, the Red Sea is parted. When you pray, the walls of Jericho, yes, the walls of Jericho come falling down. And when you pray, yes, the mountains are cast into the sea. And when you pray, prison doors are open, sickness and diseases are filled, and strongholds are broken in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And when you pray, miracles happen. So what is it that you need from God today? How about those of you in our, our South Campus? What is it that you need from God today? How about you in our Grove Town Campus? Those watching online, what do you need from God today? I would say to you, call on Him and He will answer you and He will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Just call on Him today. Let his power speak through you. Receive what God has for you today. So what is it that you need from God? Now is the time to ask.
Let's all stand together in our campuses. Let's stand together in our video venue here on the property. Let's stand together. And just give me a minute. Don't, don't grab your purse and don't grab your, your stuff. Just wait just for a minute. And let's sit, stand here in the presence of the Lord. And as I pray over you, I just want you to have this heart that says, God, I want whatever you have for me. God, I receive what you have for me. And I want you to call out that need that you have, that situation that you're burdened with, and say, God, I'm giving this to you. Come help me today. Come save me today. Come change my life today. Come change my friend's life today. Come change my prodigal's life today. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would move upon us today as we stand here in your presence. Father, we pray that that you would come and that you would set people free from sin. God, that you would come and you would fill people with the Holy Spirit. God, that you would come and that you would lighten the load on those people who are burdened. That you would touch those people who are struggling with mental uh, challenges and, and depression and dysfunction. God, that you would come and that you would open a door that has been closed. God, that you would come and meet a financial need. God, come and move in our midst today. God, we release your power and we pray this prayer. God, I release your angels to come and rest upon and to help people in need. So we now, Lord, ask you to come and pour out your spirit and we respond by saying, God, we receive. Say that, God, I receive what you have for me. Say, I receive what you have for me in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.